Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Paddy Higgs here as your host today, standing in for Ian McCourt, who's swanning around New York City at the moment. With me today is Ryan. Hey. Nico. Hey. And making his debut, Andre. Hey. So today we'll be talking about social media backlash, why you shouldn't look back, the Champions League and Manchester United v Liverpool. So obviously this week, uh, probably the the key game for a lot of people was PSG Chelsea guys. We looked at what sort of coverage we could do um, before the match and building up to it. And one of the ideas is quite a, a lot of news outlets do is a combined 11 between these two. And this, you know, this underwent a lot of debate around the newsroom, around the content team as well. Um, I want to read out um, the, uh, the team that we, we came with um, by the end. Courtois, Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva, Terry, Aurier, Ferrati, Matuidi, Willian, Oscar, Di Maria and Ibrahimovic. Now, on paper, that's not a bad team, yeah, guys. But we obviously put this out on social media and we got some responses back and um, some of them were quite colourful in their language. Um, we, we should sort of say that we were simply just picking a, a combined 11 from our opinions in the office here. We weren't systematically draining puppies. But uh, if you have a look at some of the responses and we're going to read some of them out, um, you, it, it feels like we've actually done something really, really terrible. Yeah, they're quite venomous, I think. Yeah. So, Ryan, you're going to kick us off with, uh, with yours? Yeah, so we have one here from C. Effective. Um, he looks like a Chelsea fan. You know, he's got an avatar with a Chelsea, um, a Chelsea shirt on. So you think he's pro-Chelsea, I guess. His response to us including Oscar in the team was... Lol, they actually put Oscar in this. <laughs> crying happy face, crying happy face, crying happy face. <laughs> that was one of the actually the more tame ones because these are going to get worse as we go on. Andre, can you read your? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, mine is from MFFL26, and uh, he said, unless you have Oscar in there as the water boy or cameraman, yeah, I would swap him out. Get literally anyone in there instead. The one I liked about that was there was no swearing. He just went straight to the point. There was actually yeah. a bit of forethought in that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, don't panic, bro. Um, tells us to delete this tweet and deactivate your Twitter. Dot, dot, dot. Clueless idiots. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Got an interesting uh, yeah, profile picture of Joe Cole there too as well. So, um, yeah, interesting uh, response from him. And this one probably takes the cake. Um, in an era of cyberbullying when that's a, a topic as well. <laughs> it's lucky we haven't taken this too seriously um, because Klein Ken has told us or has written to us, seriously, Oscar, just kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we, um, we, we hold our hands up a little bit because obviously in hindsight, Oscar probably didn't deserve his position. That was my fault. Yeah, I'm not a big Chelsea fan. <laughs> I don't really know that much about Oscar. I thought he was good, to be honest. I put him in there, like... <laughs> Um, Oscar in general is good, but uh, now if we if we're talking about this season, there's not a lot of good players in Chelsea. That's, well, it was hard that's, to put, that's true. It was hard to put too many in, to be honest. And, and when Ryan says it was his fault, it was his fault. Um, we, we're all fine. Yeah, <laughs> yep. um, it's definitely Ryan. And you can follow Ryan on Twitter, by the way, if you want to do anything <laughs> towards him. Um, but yeah, I mean, in hindsight, we, uh, we we probably could have gone for a, a better candidate. Than, I mean, does anyone have anyone other than Oscar they would, yeah. in, in hindsight, like to nominate? Yeah. I, I, I would, I would um, put Lucas. 
Mota. Good call. Lucas as well. Mota. Yeah, good calls. I mean, Thiago Motta probably could have been another one if he'd rearranged yeah, the formation. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, so but to find The problem Ken, that you, you're going to end up with a lot of PSG players in a combined 11. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so if there's any podcasts or TV stations out there who want my opinions on uh, Chelsea, just give me a call. I'll... <laughs> and also, of course, you know, in an era where social media ga- engagement is so valued, there's a lesson here for us all. Just put a really shit player in your team <laughs> and you get people to actually read your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The engagement yeah. was incredible. Yeah, yeah. So it's good for the social media reports yeah. at the end of the <laughs> 60 comments. Yeah, just not so good for Ryan. Yeah. One football, la aplicación de football más completa del mundo. So moving on, guys, um, a bit of a personal story. I was watching TV with my girlfriend on the couch this week, and we had a little bit of time bet- at halftime of the uh, PSG Chelsea game. And of course, football's not really her thing, so we decided we'd try and start a new series together. And we made the ill-advised decision to put Fuller House on on Netflix. Um, for anyone, I don't, guys, have you, has anyone seen it yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't seen the original. Yeah, well, the original is a bit of a cult classic, you know, um, quite a lot of, uh, I think, quite a lot of seasons. It really had some, you know, a bit of a favourite uh, spot. I think in Germany, they actually oh, it played big. it quite a lot on Saturday mornings, Everywhere was it? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly how it goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a bit of a cult following. I think people got a lot of fun memories and stuff, um, but they, they've, they've come back with... Uh, most of the original cast, at least the younger ones in the, in the new Fuller House, I can honestly say it's the worst thing I've seen on TV <laughs> in a long time. It was depressing how bad that was. And so they actually had some of the, all of the original cast, basically, except for the, the Olsen twins who were the babies, okay. I think, yeah, come back for the first episode as a, in cameos and whatnot. And it was just so cheesy. It was absolutely cringeworthy. And it just actually just got me thinking about how um, sometimes it's best to let things as they were maybe with an ex-girlfriend and you've you've tried again and it hasn't quite worked or maybe as a, as a manager um, you look at Armin V this week who was sacked from Frankfurt um, his second stint there first stint did very well got them promoted took them into Europe um, went to Stuttgart of course for well he went to Stuttgart he came back to Stuttgart there you go so he's done it twice he's yeah. done it yeah. twice so in Stuttgart the first time he won uh, the title the Bundesliga yep. with Stuttgart and so, uh, how did he do in his second stint of, I don't know, I think he made it to mid-season. Yeah, yeah. so it's a pretty similar story with Frankfurt. So sometimes it's it's not good to go back, like the cast of Full House probably should have considered before they made it this uh, Fuller House, of course. But there's obviously other examples as well. Ryan, you got a couple? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one for me, um, Kenny Dalglish, he's, he was a legend at Liverpool. Uh, I think he won two, uh, a couple of three league titles, two FA Cups. Uh, back in the 80s and early 90s. Um, obviously, he came back a couple of a few years ago after Roy Hodgson, and you know, he was greeted with a hero's welcome. You know, he, he was always in the stands anyway. They had that feeling that Kenny would be coming back. Uh, King Kenny, I think he's called, course, yeah. on a, in Anfield. But you know, he didn't quite live up to the expectation I don't think he damaged his reputation to be honest because you know of what he achieved before as a player and a manager um, but I think he, he won less than half the games he was there for um, you know I think Liverpool at the time anyway they were you know they've been on a downhill slide and I think the Suarez you know uh, controversy at that time with Ever as well yeah yeah. I, I think a lot of people were a little critical of how the club handled that and that reflected on Dalglish as well so just yeah. to interject yeah, I mean, 
the same with uh, Kevin Keegan really he did well at Newcastle in the 90s runner up twice in the league came back for I think um, half a season or something um, he, he won less than 10 matches out of uh, 20, 20 odd plus um, yeah sometimes it's not a good good, no. good thing to go back yeah Alexander Hleb he, he left Stuttgart went to Arsenal went to Barcelona sat on the bench for a year or a year and a half And then he took like a third of the money that Stuttgart made with Gomez just for the, the to, to come on loan and he played terrible. Yeah, Ricardo Charisma would be another one, Andre, um, at Porto. Yeah, it was a big, big disappointment. And um, when I think about uh, awful comebacks, I always remember Javier Clemente. Javier Clemente was awful in the second spell on, on Athletic Bilbao. And it was, it won the league twice in the 80s with uh, Atletic and it was a big big thing in Spain and when he came back it was I think 05-06 it was so terrible yeah yeah. I mean there are instances where players go back to the clubs and they you know they've done just as well as the first time you look at Didier Drogba you know he could do no wrong at Chelsea anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, Shinji Kagawa yeah I don't know much about his Dortmund spell yeah, Dortmund uh, menu Dortmund yeah, I, 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 mean, I think he still need to improve a bit but exactly but yeah not, it's, we, can't roll, we can't put a line through that yet yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Henri obviously at Arsenal Teddy Sheringham he went back to Tottenham after Man United yeah. he, was, yeah. uh, he did pretty well actually I think he scored about 22 goals in a couple of seasons there Is it maybe different for a player and a manager? I mean, the guys that you've just mentioned there were definitely in the twilights of their careers yeah. and maybe the expectations weren't as high, whereas managers come back and you're expected to almost pick up where you left off, even though mm. a lot of time has passed and the game has maybe moved on from the success you had initially as well. Yeah, I think Mourinho's a good example of that. I mean, he came back to Chelsea and you know, he dazzled in the first season. Um, but this season, obviously, it didn't work for him for whatever reason. Joining us now is the managing editor of Outside 90, Adrian Horton. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Paddy. Good to be on. Good to have you. Um, so we want to turn our attentions now to the Champions League. It's obviously been um, some pretty big results already. We're right in the middle of the, uh, of the last legs of this round. Um, some big names already through. Chelsea, of course, being one of the teams that have bowed out. I actually want to start with the PSG-Chelsea game. Um, PSG had some, some terrific little passages of play, Ryan, and I were talking about it uh, yesterday in the office. How far do you think PSG can, can actually go? Well, I've actually said that they're my smoky. I think they've been building really well over the last few years, and I think now they've got that defensive solidity that they've been craving. They were quite open and a little bit fragile at the back and all of a sudden I think this year it's just clicked for them. So I'm looking at them outside of Bayern Munich, uh, Barcelona. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is a chance. I've probably got them locked in as a third or fourth favourite for mine. So it was funny. Someone said to me the other day, oh, they're, they're a chance to get to the final. But you know, funnily enough, if you're in a final, you have your chance. So... I think they'll run deep if the draw pans out for them in the next round. Um, and I, re I really rate them. The fact that they've only conceded 15 goals in 29 league games is evidence that they're good enough to take the crown for mine. 
And well, just on that, I mean, there's going to be a criticism of PSG, a little bit like Bayern, that they're not potentially tested that often in their domestic leagues. PSG, I mean, like we said, had some some wonderful um, passages of football, and it, at times looked like a training session. Um, yeah. This obviously happens um, to them quite a bit in, in league, on league duty because they don't necessarily have the, the competition. Of course, they do have the competition at this stage. Do you think that this is a problem for them that they're not seeing this, this, this challenge week in, week out? Um, I know a lot of people like to hark on this point and use it as, I guess, a, a factor that might be a drawback for them. But the fact of the matter is... This is a squad that's been together for quite some time now. You look at players like Marco Verratti, David Luiz, uh, Lucas Moura. Um, you look at Kevin Trapp in between goals, Thiago Silva, Cavani, Ibrahimovic. They've been together for a long time, some of their key players, um, or at least for that three-year period. I think that's going to serve them really well. Um, you're right, the fact of the matter is League One is wrapped up and they've had that title within their grasp for almost a good two months now but I think I think they've really been challenging themselves I've heard a bit of rhetoric behind closed doors that some of their training sessions have been quite brutal and quite grueling so that they can set themselves up for some of these massive games in the Champions League purely because of the fact that unfortunately in their domestic league you're right it isn't as tough so I know it can be a bit of a drawback, but my feeling is that they're incredibly motivated. The team spirit's very high. They're clearly targeting the Champions League. The fact that they only conceded one goal in the whole group stage, and that was a way to Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. Again, just another pointer for me that they've got a really good chance, an outside chance, but if you're going to wager your money on a Smokey, then I, I truly think it's PSG. Which, uh, which role do you think does the manager play here, Laurent Plan? I mean, he's in his third year there at Paris Saint-Germain. Do you think that he's uh, building something up there or is it more his individual players like Zlatan? Um, look, Zlatan's been absolutely phenomenal this season. He's defying his age. Uh, he said in the press conference that age is just a number, uh, typical of his arrogance, but He's actually right. He's vindicating his points and he's backing it up. An assist and a goal at Stamford Bridge. Um, it was a consummate display from him. I think if they can retain some of their best players, that they're going to give themselves a great opportunity to become a perennial challenger for the Champions League. Um, I think it's very important that they edge themselves at least, in, at least into a semi-final this season just to show the rest of Europe or even just some of those players that are thinking about going to PSG regardless of the money that they're formidable challenges for this title and this crown. Um, I think it just comes back to my original point. I'm a big believer of continuity within a squad. And they've got it in spades at the moment. They've had these players together for quite some time. And it's all coming together. And I'm a Liverpool fan. I hate to reference it. But Sir Alex Ferguson, he kept squads together that were... They weren't great squads, in my opinion. I think a lot of the players that he had in his last season probably wouldn't have got a look in at some of the teams outside the top four in the Premier League. And... When you're playing with players over a certain period of time, you, you gain an understanding with them. So I think 
rather than looking at it from an individual's point of view, I think the fact of the matter is they've got their players together. They understand their style of play and their systems because they've been trained in these methodologies for quite some time now, and you can see that they're bearing the fruits at the moment. Um, sorry. Uh, hey, Ryan here. Um, speaking of Zlatan, there's been quite a lot of... Um rumours in the past week about him going to the Premier League, particularly Manchester United and perhaps Chelsea. Do you think this could be his last season at PSG or do you see him kind of seeing out his contract? I think it's definitely in the last season for him. Um, he was very coy when he spoke to some of the English journos after the game the other night or the other morning, if you want to go by Australian time. Um yeah, I just, he seems a little bit distant. He's clearly focused on the task at hand. He isn't. He is a professional, but all of the rumblings and from some of the board members at the club, the fact that there's no one's coming out with the decisive, you know, he's contracted to the end of the season. We'll talk about it at the end. There's a lot of people who are actually just saying, well, yeah, we we don't actually know what's going on with Zlatan. Um, I think the pressure's there. It's been mounting for quite some time that people just want to see him test himself in the Premier League. A lot of people speak about it being the most difficult league to deal with from a player's point of view because it is so highly competitive. Um, You have to go away to struggling teams on dodgy pitches during the winter part of the season. And I think it's probably the, the last little area of his career that, if he wants to go down as a true great, and he is a true great in my opinion for all he's done, and although he's been at the best teams, he's always performed, and I, I think he'll go to the Premier League. Um, I'm not sure if Man United suits him, um, but it looks like they're the, the best suitors at the moment. Um, if Mourinho goes in there, I think he might have the the pulling power to get him across the line at Old Trafford. So... I'm of the belief and from everything that I've heard from certain quarters um, across the globe and in Europe with some of my contacts that it's definitely on the cards and I'd actually be really surprised if we didn't see him in the Premier League next season. Um, Do you think it's his last shot to win the Champions League? Like, will he ever be closer to win it than this year? Well, if he goes to Man United, he doesn't have a hope in hell because I'm sorry, but they're in free fall at the moment. Um, I, I... I think it's funny. All of the talk about him going to Man United doesn't fit the bill for me, but he might. And despite the fact he said that numbers just an age the other morning in a press conference, the general gist or the general vibe around it is that they do suit his needs and they can suit his wage demands. And that's been a really big stumbling block for a lot of clubs. I know that Kun Aguero has come out and said that he's going to leave the club in a couple of seasons, but Zlatan's 34, and as much as he wants to speak about his age and the fact that he thinks he's still firing on all cylinders, it's like any professional. They tell you that they're feeling tip-top, and you look at John Terry, for example, and all of a sudden it can just come crashing down within six months. They just lose that yard of pace or um, that mobility to get themselves around the ground and the endurance to get themselves through a big block of games and all of a sudden they find themselves on the periphery. So if Zlatan's thinking seriously about trying to cap off his career with another Champions League, the Man United's not the destination for him if he believes in his body. Um, I think this season they do have a great chance. Um, they 
probably have to avoid the likes of Barcelona or Bayern Munich in the next round. Um, try and get it to the latter stages of the Champions League, just so the other two formidable outfits are nervy and they can potentially capitalise. But it would be a strange decision for him to go to Man United in the circumstances if he still wanted to win a Champions League. Uh, but in saying that, he'll know deep down that he's a very integral part of PSG and they're very determined to try and shock the world this season. Just moving on, mate, uh, for the, to finish this up, um, looking ahead to the games next week, of course, the two sort of uh, standouts, I suppose, and with all due respect to the other ones, um, are Bayern and Juventus, which is, of course, uh, a lot to play for at 2-2 in the first leg in Turin, and Arsenal and Barcelona. Um, Arsenal, out of it, are they? You'd have to think so. Uh, it was funny, I was listening to talk sport on the way into work and a lot of Arsenal fans were calling up and it was mixed. It was, a lot were saying, you know, we need to play our best side and we need to give them a real shot because at the end of the day, Arsenal play some beautiful football when they're in full flight and I can see an Arsenal team going to the new camp and scoring an early goal and, and, I don't know, striking the jitters into Barcelona. But if I was realistic and I was Arsene Wenger and the, he needs probably... I think seven wins from his last nine games to take the Premier League crown, then I'd probably put all my eggs in that basket. Um, the other thing is they've got a few injuries from their midweek clash against Hull City. So it looks like it's all over. Um, look, there's a glimmer of hope. If Arsenal can come out and get a goal within the first 20 minutes, uh, then you never know. But we're talking about a Barcelona team that has three of the best forwards in the world, um, that will clearly attack at home. Um, they're in a confident mood, so it would be an absolute shock to all, um, except for the most ardent Arsenal fan, if Barcelona weren't to go through. Go ahead, mate. And just lastly, um, in a word, Juventus or Bayern? Bayern? Can I add anything else? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't think it'll be as clear-cut as people think. Um, I think Juventus will give it a really good shake. They're a confident outfit. Um, and they'll be very, very dangerous on the counter-attack, but Bayern to shade it. Fantastic, Adrian. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Thanks, guys. One football. The best And joining us now from Manchester United blog, The People's Person, is Sam Peoples. Sam, we want to talk about last night, Liverpool, Manchester United. I can imagine you're not in the greatest of moods this morning. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it, so I'm not sure why I'm on this podcast. Well, well, you've given us at least 10 minutes. You've got to fill it in somehow. Yeah, I know. Okay, so honestly, uh, how did you see it last night? Um, It's just... I'm not really pissed off at the result you know you are you lose to Liverpool that's not the problem it's the whole embarrassment of the entire night right from Fellaini being in that starting 11 I have no idea why he was there to how the players played to taking Michael Carrick bringing him on for Marcus Rashford it was just a shambles and, and absolutely nobody apart from David De Gea walked away from that game with any sort of dignity and it's, it's United Liverpool you've got to die on the pitch you've got to leave everything on the pitch and nobody did, and that's the worst part of it. The comments from Van Gaal after, I mean, he didn't seem to have any of that message that you've just sort of conveyed there. No, he didn't. Before the game, uh, Jurgen Klopp said, you know, 
this is the mother of all games. Because it is the mother of all games. Van Howe was like, well, you know, Liverpool aren't really the enemy. They are the fucking enemy, Louis. I'm sorry. But if you're looking at a fixture list at the start of the season as a United fan, you look for Anfield away first. You look for when you play the Scousers. And it was just a shambles. Yeah, we've, we've beaten them four times out of four prior to that game, but there was just, there was nothing. And the, the worst part of it all was it wasn't surprising at all. Sam, if you're in charge of United now, what would you do? The first thing you would do and I guess the, the top five things you might do to change this club? I'd, you'd need to get it into the players' heads that they've got to start playing for the shirt. Um, there really does seem to be a complete lack of, of passion among the players. If, if, if I was a United player and I was losing at Anfield, I'd give absolutely everything to try and turn it around. But they were just happy to follow Louis van Gaal's instructions. Just play it sideways, play it slow, and fingers crossed something might happen. Simon Mignolet was Liverpool's worst player going into that game, and we hardly tested him. And I think the problems now at United is that it, it doesn't stop at Louis van Gaal. It doesn't stop at the players. The whole club, right from the academy up, needs to be restructured and brought into the 21st century. Um, so if what I would do if I was manager, I would... You'd have to throw so much of the club out and renew and refresh it. That's the, that's the issue for me. We're sitting here watching Manchester City, bringing in Pep Guardiola. They've got a director of football. They've got a brand new academy. They've got a right thinking. And they've, they've invested correctly. You've got United, who our academy system is now behind City. We've got no director of football. We're 10 years behind in social media. We're just, we're just not in the 21st century as a club. Hey, Sam, Ryan here. Um, do you think part of the problem might be that the amount of players we've bought over the past few years, like you look at United in the 90s under Fergie, there was a very almost family family kind of vibe within the team with the class of 92, etc. Um, do you think this um, strategy of buying big name players, there's a kind of lack of kind of teamwork and togetherness with the, the club at the moment? It Football's a bit of a vicious circle because managers don't get time anymore. So Pochettino is a bit of an exception to the rule that youngsters don't really get that much of a chance anymore. And it's happened at United. We saw Pogba leave. We've seen Andreas Pereira this season. He's kind of gone under the radar. But it's hard to marry success in the short term with building for the long term. And that's something United have really struggled with this year. We were, there was always going to be a turnover of players when it comes to having a new manager in. But it doesn't mean that you have to lose that that family vibe. And I think we had it up until a point, maybe November, I think I really started to notice the switch. In The problem with Louis van Gaal is when plan A doesn't work, he repeats plan A and keeps repeating plan A, crossing his fingers and hoping that something's going to change. And if, if I'm a player now, if, if I was David De Gea coming home on that coach last night, I'd be thinking, I can't wait to leave this club. And if I'm a United player who was on the pitch, I was thinking, I'm embarrassed by how I played. I'm embarrassed by the result. But how many players are really thinking that? When you think we used to have Roy Keane, um, Peter Schmeichel, Vidic Stam, all these players, if, if you, could you imagine those players coming away from Anfield off the back of that 2-0 loss? No. They would have got sent off for kicking a Liverpool player.
You're very right, yeah. Hey, Sam, Nico here. Um, so, so besides the bigger post, uh, um, the, the whole depression that menu is in right now and so on, the post-Ferguson uh, depression, do you have any short-term ideas, something that would help menu to maybe win uh, the next game against Liverpool and, and make it to the next round? Well, we play West Ham next and I'm really just not, we're playing West Ham at the worst possible time given the form they are in and the form we are in, West Ham have got to be rubbing their hands together. And, you know, Liverpool don't play this weekend. So they have an entire week's rest with a bigger squad. We have to play in three days with a smaller squad. And I do think, I think we're going to struggle against West Ham. If we do go through, it's going to be by the skin of our teeth. And the unfortunate thing is that United had that short-term solution two weeks ago. We won four games in a row. We beat Shrewsbury, Midtjylland, Arsenal and then Watford. And there was momentum coming because the youngsters came in, brought some excitement. Fear was thrown to the wind. And, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you're playing football, all you want to do is score goals and win games. You don't want to have 64% possession and a 96% passing accuracy. And that's what kids bring to the team. They, they're, they're so naive to the result of football that they just want to go out and win. And that brought United back... That, that game against Arsenal at Old Trafford was the best I'd seen Old Trafford in, in a long, long time. And it's simply because the youngsters just wanted to play football. Um, and then all of a sudden we changed that against West Brom. The youngsters went back out of the team. And then lo and behold, we lost 1-0. And momentum has been completely taken out of the team again. And it's all self-inflicted. And that's probably the most frustrating thing about all of it. Uh, a win yeah. against West Ham or um, a win against Liverpool? You're always going to go for the win against Liverpool, but it's United have put themselves in a very difficult situation now. Um, so we play West Ham in the FA Cup quarterfinals. If we beat them, we go to Wembley. That'll be nice. We're now 2 0 down against Liverpool. So if they score one, we need to score four goals on Thursday. And then we play Man City away on Sunday. If we were to lose all three of these games, we'd be out of the FA Cup, out of the Europa League, and I think we'd be seven points behind City in for in the chase for top four. Now, David Moyes got sacked when top four was mathematically impossible. At what point does that happen with Louis van Gaal? Because I don't think anybody is under any illusion that he is not going to be our manager next year. Yeah, Andre here. Um, a question about Louis van Gaal. Do you think that the players right now, they don't believe in the manager? Do you feel that there's a, a lack of confidence between players and the manager? Yeah, I think the thing that really showed it for me was probably Stoke at home. We won 3-0. Van Hal's philosophy this whole season has been about possession, holding possession and keep passing and the chances will create themselves. Against Stoke... We had 46% possession. Stoke had more possession than us, but we hit hard and fast on the counter-attack. That wasn't Louis van Gaal's philosophy. And in the last four wins that we had prior to losing against West Brom, that wasn't Louis van Gaal's philosophy. We went out there, we attacked, we took risks, and it paid off. And the players started playing again. But when, you could, when, you're, when you're looking at Marcus Rashford, perfect, perfect example, he scored four goals against Midtjylland and Arsenal, Everybody's excited. Still plays well against West Brom, even though he lose. You go to Anfield. He's now playing on the right wing. 
ended up as right back more than he did as a right winger and then got taken off at half time. His head looked full of instructions. And, you know, Van Howe has typically worked better with the youngsters because it's easier for him to impose his philosophy. But I don't personally think that the players have any sort of belief in Louis Van Howe's system anymore. I certainly don't as a fan. Um, I know he's now not the man to take us forward. And, you know, I, I supported him the whole time, but as soon as you start repeating mistakes consistently and expecting different results, it shows me that you don't know what you're doing. And I think it was the, the game against Man City uh, under David Moyes at Old Trafford. And we went 1-0 down within three minutes, I think. And then Moyes just threw his, threw his tactics to the window and ended up playing Fellaini and Cleverly on the wings. Uh, Van Hal sort of did that last night in that he didn't really know what he was doing. The players looked lost. They, you look at Klopp and you can see what Liverpool are trying to do. They're going, they're going in a direction. Van Howe's going the wrong way down a one-way street at the moment. And I think the only way is for him to leave. You feel that, like there's no plan anymore? There is a plan, but the plan isn't working. And because Van Howe is not adapted correctly to the Premier League and the modern game, he doesn't know plan B, slash he doesn't want to accept it. And he's going to continue sticking with plan A. And you mentioned before that a youngsters could be the answer to Man United, but sometimes you feel like um, there's a lack of leadership inside the pitch, on the pitch. Well, if, if you look at the players who have left in the last like four, three, four years, we've lost Vidic, Stam, Evra, Giggs, Scholes. You lost leadership. Yeah, we've, you, you need leaders on the pitch. Smalling has been a bit of a leader on the pitch, but you need a leader in every sport. So you need a spine in your team, you need a forward you can rely on, a midfielder you can rely on, a defender and a goalkeeper. We've got that goalkeeper and defender. Midfielder, I think Schneidlin's starting to impose that. But for, I don't know why he broke up that Schneidlin-Herrera partnership yesterday, because it's something that's actually been working for us. So for some reason, Louis van Gaal throws it to the winds. That's the sort of madness of his thinking. And in attack, we've got Anthony Martial, but he's 20 in French. He's not going to lead the line in terms of being a leader, is he? Sam, thanks for your time. Uh, I enjoy having you here when you're a little bit grumpy as well. Uh, it's good entertainment. Some great thoughts too. Thanks very much for, for coming on. No worries, Paddy. So thanks for joining us today. That's a wrap. Um, we look forward to having Ian back uh, in front of the mic very soon. Um, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Um, follow us on SoundCloud and, of course, download the OneFootball app via your app store.